Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome, friends, to another edition podcast of Disciple Making. Darren Wright, my friend, is with me, Tim Beadle. And Darren, today we are going to be looking at evangelism. Uh, it's not really a term that's used a lot in the church proper, but it's all sort of something that we know that we are to be about, actually. The, uh, the Great Commission was all about going out and making disciples, and that would seem to suggest that, that we are having an evangelistic bent in our life. But let's just get back to basics today and, and talk about what evangelism is, how do we reach our friends, what approach is, and what have we learned along the way in our own lives. Yeah, excellent, for sure. Yeah, in the context of this, Tim, as we've been walking through, uh, apart from episode 100 there, walking through my draft missional living map and just different stages a person moves through. And we're really at the stage of what does it mean to to win the lost and build believers and all of those kind of what we think of basic disciple making. What I've discovered, Tim, is it doesn't matter what phrase or word you use to describe evangelism, people have a negative reaction to it. Yep. They, they react to evangelism because of, you know, TV evangelists. Yeah. Uh, they might react to the phrase winning the lost because it seems kind of, you know, putting the lost in a bad light. Uh, yeah. Talk about soul winning. It sounds very, you know, militant and aggressive. So uh, none of those bother me, to be honest. And evangelism is a great word. It's proclaiming the good news. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend towards the phrase winning the lost just because that's, you know, when I think of the winning, building, equipping model of of uh, sun life. And that's, you know, kind of, kind of what I'm used to there. So one thing I want to get off the table right away, Tim, is I've discovered that there is a huge difference between what I would call personal relational evangelism, what we yeah. would do, you know, with our peers, you know, in our, in our regular non-church relationships and what I would call pastoral evangelism as a pastor. See, yeah. as a pastor, it's pretty easy on one level. People will come to talk to you when they're on an acute level of, of, of spiritual need. You have yeah. opportunities in preaching through the year, dealing with people after the service. And I found it much easier, much greater frequency of seeing people come to faith in the pastoral role than in the personal evangelism role. For me, personal evangelism takes more time. Certainly. It takes multiple relational years. And so mm -hmm. I just want to, to throw that out there, Tim, and I think as pastors, we need to be careful of, of comparing our pastoral evangelism to our people and their personal evangelism, because they're two different things in my mind. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. When people come to you as a pastor, they come with a certain expectation uh, that if you start talking about spiritual things, that will not catch them by surprise, because after all, you are the pastor, a spiritual leader in the church. And um, I know when I uh, meet pastorally with people, uh, like when it comes time to prayer, to say, hey, if you could ask Jesus or God for one thing today, what would that be? Uh, the average Joe on the street doesn't usually come up to his, his friend or buddy and say that uh, because yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be expected. However, you know, as you develop relationships over the course of time, uh, so I, I think it is important uh, in terms of the difference between pastoral and personal emphasis. Although, uh, I guess as pastors, we need to be doing both. 
uh, not just just the the one for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I have made a fairly strong statement from time to time uh, that maybe you want to relate to, and I, I've I've been known to say that if a pastor doesn't have any non-church friends, yeah. you should probably fire him, just yeah. because he's he's maybe a little bit out of touch. Uh, but I will say, Tim, I have discovered, you know, people come to us in a pastoral role. I, I do know people and have known people who are in secular workplaces yeah. who, because of their demeanor and their clear love for people and clear yeah. religious bent, individuals will sometimes talk to them at, on a pastoral level. They'll come yeah. to them when they're in crisis or when yeah. they're in need. And so there is there is a bit of a crossover there, and it just... Uh, speaks to the ability of someone to carve out a space for themselves as, you know, as the chaplain of the workplace, if you want to think of it in that term. Yeah. And I guess uh, it's really important to be seen as um, someone who is a person of faith, uh, because if if there's no difference in the way you live, then all of a sudden you you come on heavy with the uh, spiritual stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, That can surprise and even turn off people as if there's a hidden agenda going on here and obviously um, it's all it's all the sensitivity of the heart I believe so that people don't feel as if they're a make work project that you're trying to fix hmm. and and for us in our evangelistic um, uh, love of people also we have to realize um, that we can't view people like that hmm. um, you know Paul says uh, so from now on we regard or see or view no one from a worldly point of view so so we look at people through through the lens of of um, god's love of jesus uh, gift of salvation but that doesn't give us a right to use that as a hammer over their head or (laughs) sort of corner them uh, to try to accomplish uh, our agenda rather than learning to walk with them and you said uh, at the introduction sometimes this takes years with people as well Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, relationships and friendships take years, and and uh, I think we need to recognize that and just have a lot of grace for those we're training and equipping, and for ourselves in those personal relationships. Because yeah. the truth is, the way I've seen it working in our lives a lot is, you get to know people, you pray for them, you relate, and then in time a crisis comes in, yeah. and that right. crisis often then opens doors that are not open to the normal flow of life. And that yeah. sometimes takes time. Sometimes the crisis comes soon. Sometimes it shows up years later. The, the goal is to be in a relationship where you're a true friend because true friends come alongside friends in crisis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the other thing that, that it's really important when people say, well, we're trying to win souls. Like, I think only the Holy Spirit, because we're talking about a spiritual mm. transaction here, is the one who really... Uh, gets to the uh, meat and potatoes of someone's spiritual condition. Uh, we we can only lead them towards the Lord. You know, we we can't claim uh, how many souls we've won. Um, I think it's important for us to have a realistic understanding of what our role is and what God's part and what our part is in the whole evangelistic endeavor of uh, meeting people at their point of need. 
Well, yeah. I mean, what you're, yeah. So, so I shouldn't be putting notches in my Bible is what you're saying. It's really, I don't have that much, you know, there, there's a, there's a a verse in, in, in Daniel where, you know, it's the old Testament. I found wondering about it where it says he who wins souls is wise. And because of the context, it can't be talking about evangelism the way we talk about it. I'm not sure what it means in the context of Daniel. uh, But I would say that, that an evangelistic proclaiming the gospel bent is wise. It's, it's an eternally focused thing. It's high investment and really, you know, well worth looking into. Uh, another higher level concept I wanted to float by you today is, uh, again, this idea, I think I first heard it articulated probably in the context of Sun Life years ago, that one of the roles of the church when it comes to evangelism isn't to reach our friends, it's to help us reach our friends. Exactly. Yeah. And that has a couple layers. It has a training side that we'll talk about in a few minutes, but it also has mm-hmm. a, you know, for lack of a better phrase, an event side or a programmatic side or a ministry side. And one thing I've seen that that churches can do to help their people reach their friends is is these these mid-size to large yeah. size events that are, you know, cultivating or planting or reaping events. And I've mm-hmm. seen some, you know, outstanding events, you know, over the years in each of those areas. I think of one of the best cultivating events and cultivating by the way is pure purely relational. Yeah. Where you get people together, they become friends, you know, your seeker friends meet, meet your believer friends and back and forth. Yeah. We did a, we did in, uh, in an Alberta town, we did a, what's called a, we did a men's shootout where okay. we, we took over a gun range, had a range master there, and we had a stack of rifles and shotguns and handguns back in the day. And we had target shooting and trap shooting and handgun shooting and, and, you know, in that context, you know, a good chunk of those guys, I mean, they brought their guns and stuff, but there's always a chunk who are not into that. Right. And it was one of the best relational events I'd seen where we did this event and we actually brought the barbecues right out to the gun range Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, had the shooting going on and the barbecuing going on. And it was just one of the best relationship building events that I've ever seen. We call that a cultivating. And that's something that you can do it on maybe a small scale yourself, but there was something to having like. 30 or 40 men there doing this that made it just a great event, unlike anything else the guys have been to before. Yeah, so did you do this in a uh, big urban environment, Darren? (laughs) (laughs) No, this was a more of a rural environment, Tim. (laughs) Okay, so... uh, Although, you know, although I would say, uh, give it a try in your your urban environment, see what happens. Yeah, just don't get pulled over driving to the event with 40 rifles in the back of your car. (laughs) Uh, in our church uh, years ago, in terms of, uh, you know, a cultivating event uh, in an urban environment, uh, we actually had a, uh, a golf pro uh, from the local golf course come in. And uh, we had guys bring their putters. Uh, but mm-hmm. he, but he, just gave, he, he just gave some uh, pointers. This, this is all about putting on the golf course. And uh, then we had different putting competitions and a lot of fun and food. And, and of course, uh, some guys came because they, well, the the notoriety of the golf pro who was coming attracted a lot of people. But but also, uh, it's kind of fun to invite a friend, say, hey, bring your putter and we'll, uh," and we got some local uh, uh, merchants who donated stuff and things like that. And, but, but it was merely a relational building event. Uh, it was actually inside the church building, which hmm. was by design to get people into the church and not to think it 
as just a private institution anymore. Uh, but that was something we did years and years ago. But uh, it's probably one of the, 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 the most fun and meaningful uh, cultivating events as well. Oh, that's that's an excellent one. You know, when I, when I think of planting events, well, planting is where where there is the gospel is is a part of it in some way, whether through someone's story, typically through someone's yeah. story, and you know, it's it's not just relationship. There's spiritual content yeah. there, and you know, planting events can be you know anything from I've I've seen them done as golf tournaments where someone will share yeah. their story. Yeah. I've yeah. also seen golf tournaments as harvest events, but I think you know on the church level. With intentionality, some of our seasonal things can be planting events. Yeah. You know, whether it's the Christmas Eve season or, yeah. uh, you know, or Easter. We've done over the years in different churches I've been a part of. We've done what we call seeker series, where we, you know, we've done, uh, you know, marriage-based things on a Sunday, or uh, we did a whole series on success one time, success at work, success at home, ultimate success, which then would be harvesting. So yeah. there's those kind of things that that uh, again the the church gathered can actually play a significant role in that if we're intentional about it. And and I, I love planting events where people hear someone else's story because it really does uh, build the the corporate witness and the personal witness with your friends who are there. It's a very they can be very strong events. Yeah, I think uh, this, you know, traditionally has been like men's prayer breakfasts, things like that, where, where you, again, you have someone, it, and it's in the telling of the story uh, that really the spirit is at work, uh, mm-hmm. challenging, planting, drawing, convicting, all those things that, that we're just setting the table, I say, for, for the Holy Spirit to do uh, the work that only he can do in someone's life. Uh, but again, um I think Wayne Gretzky says, uh, you never score uh, a goal for the shots that you do not take. And mm-hmm. we will never reap anyone for, you know, reap a harvest for the, for the seeds that are planted. So th- there needs to be a balance of the cultivation and the planting as well. And, um, you know, if, if you plant too quickly uh, before cultivation happens, again, uh, you need to have a nurturing environment and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, by which the relationship that you're building now sometimes God just can fix someone and confronts them and, and they get miraculously uh, transformed from the inside out. Uh, but that is unusual. Usually it happens uh, through walking uh, with someone and the church is just creating an environment for things to happen naturally that uh, you know cultivation for friendship, planting a little more of a spiritual emphasis and usually it comes through story. Uh, that that would be, you know, an, another uh, time would would even be doing in a discover discovery Bible study, uh, where you just look at a passage and you let people draw their own conclusions, but all the time you're actually planting uh, spiritual seeds in their life. Yeah, you know, one one a planting event can turn into a reaping event, depending what you do with your friend afterwards, right? Like they may have questions. Yeah. I, I've seen events where 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 it could be seen as a harvest event. But the response and the follow-up is left to the friend after the event, where exactly. basically, you know, the gospel may be presented with with a few, you know, questions to discuss or ask, and and you're encouraged and your friend is encouraged, hey, go talk about this. Yeah. You know, go out. And that I, I like that bumping it back to people because I, I learned as a pastor, I would much rather have someone lead their friend to the Lord than me. 
Yeah. Because yeah. it it strengthens that relationship and builds in the natural follow-up. Some of what you're finding already in your situation where people are new believers being linked up with disciple makers, that's really where it happens because we can't, we can't do it all. One person can't do it all. So we need to multiply it out through others. Yeah. The, the posture, unfortunately, over the years in the church is that uh, the pastor does the winning. We simply bring our friends because we don't know how to to walk with them across the line of faith. And and I really believe that has to change uh, just because, as you said, for the follow-up and, and uh, or I call it establishment of uh, new believers, um, you know, pastors just have a capacity. Now they, they, they know how to do it, but they don't have the relational capital uh, to continue a lifestyle of walking with this person. And that person needs someone to walk with them for, for, for months and even years as they grow to be, to become like a multiplying disciple themselves. So, so I think it puts the pastor in his place. And, you know, Ephesians 4 is to equip people for works of service. Mm. There's no greater work of service to the Lord uh, than training uh, people how to walk with others and to cultivate how to plant and then reap when the time comes that, that the Lord's choosing. And uh, it, it, it's a thrilling um, exercise and endeavor to be part of, Darren, mm. uh, just because uh, so few people have experienced this. But um, that's one of the things I'm just really focusing on in my ministry right now is that people will get saved through Alpha, through relationships, yeah. through an ESL program. Uh, but what do you do with them afterwards? And and I find it, I'm searching for their closest friends who were at the table or have been walking with them. And they're the ones who I need to equip and train to keep walking with them, not say, okay, pass the baton uh, to me and uh, schedule them in my office next Tuesday afternoon. It just does not work like that. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And I think, you know, next time we, we talk to him, uh, which as we're recording this, we're probably looking into the new year. But next yeah. time we record, we'll probably talk about what needs to happen once a person comes to faith, like what about the whole yeah. follow-up thing. Yeah. But let's just, as we got a few minutes left here, uh, talking about training, you know, when it comes to winning the lost or evangelism, people need to be trained. And there's some obvious areas of training. And I think people need to be trained for intercession. To me, that's huge. I always say that's half the job. Yeah. They need to be trained to share their story in a, in a coherent way that makes sense that, you know, contains the gospel embedded in that. Obviously share the basic gospel. But one area that I think we sometimes overlook and assume, especially if we're pastoral types, is is that people need training or some sense of equipping in the area of relationships and yeah. friendships and hospitality, yeah. because that is not as universal as maybe it once was in our culture. And people need help in understanding how to do these relational hospital things. Yeah, we sort of live in a world where instead of building bridges, we erect fences and we have our own little private space. Uh, in the old days, or even, you know, in, in, in rural countryside, uh, where I've spent many years feeling sort of out of sorts because I was raised in a big city, uh, you know, people don't lock their doors and you don't go in someone's front door. You go in the side door and, and really, it, you know, the, the whole community is based on relational understanding that we need each other. We belong to each other. Uh, but I, I think uh, this is challenging for those who don't have a natural gift of hospitality, who perhaps are more private. But, but when it comes to sharing the gospel, first of all, we have to share our lives. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to be transparent. And we have to open up our hearts to people and be honest. So we have to open up our homes to them. 
And that means you probably have to open up your fridge as well. <laughs> and, uh, well, well, just just think of all the times uh, that, that people uh, encounter Jesus uh, around a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because and that's the whole Alpha program. The, the genius of that model is come, let's let, let's sit and have a meal together. Let's watch a video and then let's just talk about some questions and about life. And I, I think that has set a, a standard of. Uh, just, just the basics. Um, you know, if you learn even how to share a cup of coffee, uh, and then be a good listener. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the acronym bless. You know, before anything else, yeah. pray, yeah. and then learn to, um, you know, listen to their story. And 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 there's all kinds of different. You know, then you eat eat with them, uh, and then you serve them, and then you. Basically, hopefully, earn the right to share your story. Uh, That's the acronym of BLESS. Uh, But too often, again, we're busy people. We don't build the the, the time necessary to nurture a relationship. And therefore, it feels rushed. And that's when we sort of, uh, well, I have to do this. I have to get them saved. What what happens if they move next month? And uh, we we miss the point whatsoever in terms of just the flow of the spirits, the spirits role. Uh, to lead the, the, the whole endeavor, endeavor to invite someone into God's family. Yeah. And one thing I would just say with this whole, whole relationship hospitality is uh, the most important thing, I think, to highlight for people who are really getting into that area of, you know, hospitality. So there's a difference between hospitality and entertainment. Yeah. And hospitality is about posture. It can be very and should be very simple. Our hospitality should be something that uh, we're not trying to impress anyone. We're just opening our home, opening our hearts, opening our fridge in a simple way. And that breaks down walls more than anything else. Like yeah. you said, that the eating together is a huge wall breaker. And uh, when you're relating to people, Tim, a huge step in the relationship happens when you have them into your home. It's a, yeah. it's a distinctive crossing of yeah. a barrier. And yeah. things change when that happens. I always say to people relationally, that's really, you know, the progression you're shooting for initially is to get them in your home where you're sharing a meal together and building that level of relationship. So that's that's a really quick run through through winning, Tim. Uh, any, well, anything to add the, to the other thing I would say is if you got a really sloppy house and you're kind of embarrassed, then just take them out for a cup of coffee at a, at a local place as well. Uh, the, the, the deal is because otherwise, you, you'll, you know, some people will hear this and say, oh, I got to clean the house for the next three weeks. And, and uh, it, it causes more pressure. And, and, and that's not the thing. It's the relational hurdle by, by just sharing a meal or a drink and getting beyond the surface conversation. I think that that's what we're aiming at here. Yeah, and I would say, yeah, to, to, to maybe put a pin in it is I'd say soup instead of steak. You yeah, know, like yeah. think think that level when it comes to your hospitality. It doesn't be fancy or expensive. That's so right. I think we'll we'll land that there, Tim, and we'll uh, look forward to getting together. I know when, when people when this is released, it'll be well into the new year. Uh, but for you, from from me to you, have an excellent Christmas. Yeah, look forward Thanks. to catching up. And to our our listeners, I hope you had an excellent Christmas to start of the new year, and that in this year ahead, you're looking to learn and apply what it means to be a disciple who makes disciples. Yeah, exactly. And remember, a disciple is someone who lives their life as if Jesus is living it through them. And so allow the Lord to have full sway in your life, and it'll be amazing the journey he's going to take us on in this coming year. May God bless you. Amen. 
Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.